In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode 109. Should I stay or should I go? It's a solid question. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's a solid question. It's also the title of a song. It's such a good song. That you chose by the Clash. Yeah. It's a great theme. Because, I mean, it's like a central struggle everyone has. Yeah. And not just like, should I physically leave a place or should I physically stay? But just, Every single decision. Yes, it can be a struggle. Mm-hmm. And it feels big and weighty. It does, you're right. Yeah. But then also the clash made something so big and weighty feel kind of fun. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Don't know. I think this was reintroduced to the youths a few years ago and it was used in the Stranger Things very prominently. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Your kids watch Stranger y- Things, they, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Evan loves it. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. We're giving the youths... Some classic punk. They yes, need that. They yeah. do. Mm-hmm. They need that in their mm-hmm. lives. And it's just a good song to remind you, no one has the answers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect way of putting it. No one yeah. does have the answers. We no never figure it out. Even when we're adults, we're all just faking it. Yeah. We don't know what the hell we're no. doing. No. Should you stay or should you go? I don't know. Don't know. Sometimes don't, know. don't care. Some, very often don't care. <laughs> very often don't Sometimes care. Sometimes just make the decision for me. Yeah. Flash. Yeah. Or whoever. Flip a coin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because you'll probably pick the wrong way anyway. So <laughs> just accept it. <laughs> well, it's a great song that you picked. It a great a theme. Yeah. Very rich. Very lots of lots of things fit into this, lots I think. Of, yes. Yeah. So many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on that theme. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Erin. Okay. Hit me with it. So thinking about the, the physical act of leaving. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's say you're at a party. Uh-huh. You're at a gathering. Uh-huh. Some people have creative ways of leaving said uh-huh. gatherings, uh-huh. said parties. Have you ever witnessed a particularly creative way of someone leaving? Yeah. 
I have. <laughs> it sticks in my head. It was a long time ago. And I sometimes think about it and laugh to myself because I still to this day don't know if it was true or not. Okay. But I was at like a holiday open house. So it's like a thing no one really wants to be at. Yeah. Right? Gross. At a holiday open house and it was like a brunchy time. Nope. Yep. And so I remember walking into this house and there was a lot of Christmas decor. Okay, fine. And there's like that, that you know, there was a scent in the air. So I move forward in this open house situation. I'm kind of in the kitchen area where the food is. And there was a hallway that led to the kitchen area that you had to come in if you came in the door. And I heard this couple come in, but I didn't know them, so I didn't really acknowledge it. And they're talking to the host. All these things are happening. They get into the kitchen, and then in the loudest voice I've ever heard anyone yell outside of an emergency, he said, oh, my God, is that a cinnamon apple candle? <laughs> and we were all like, what? And the host said, yeah, yeah, it is. And he's like, I'm deathly allergic to cinnamon and we're leaving now. What? And they left that fast. It's clearly either happened before or he's convinced his wife because she was like, oh, my goodness. Like, she was – acted petrified like this was a near-death experience in the 45 seconds they were in the kitchen now hang on a second okay so i don't have a lot of allergies I but don't. i didn't realize that smelling the suspect substance right. was bad right but it was kind of the most perfect creative way it really was because who's gonna be the assholes that who's like, gonna be like are you really you're not allergic yeah. to a cinnamon candle uh -huh. and then watch him break out in hives and everyone be like oh you're <laughs> Well, that's going to be his death on your hands. You don't want to do that. And I think if you do that, you have to play it that big. Yeah, you do. He swung for the fences. And I think you have to in that situation. Because if you undersold that, it would yeah. kind of be like, mm, that's weird. But he sold it so hard that it took everyone a good 20 minutes to digest it. And I think individually in our heads, we were all like, was that true? <laughs> but so much time had passed, you didn't want to be like, hey, can we? Can we rewind? Can we put a pin in this conversation? And to what just happened? That guy left because he said he smelled a candle, right? <laughs> That's, I really like the idea of maybe he does this at parties. Like they've been invited to parties, so they make the appearance of going and then whatever scent it is. Oh my God. <laughs> the best part of the Sandalwood. I'm going to die. Ah, my throat. <laughs> The best part of that, though, is that the host was so flustered that she was like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. Like, she didn't know what, to, you know, you're kind of like in this, I'm, I'm sorry, because it feels like you did something wrong, but you didn't. Yeah. And then after they left, she just like quietly went over to the candle, <laughs> blew it out like the rest of us might suddenly develop an allergy. <laughs> just like, okay, we're just. Like she wanted to remove evidence yeah, of like, the. Oh, sorry, everyone. Meanwhile, that poor candle's like, what did I do? I didn't. This is impossible. I was, I was ambiance. What is wrong with this? Yeah. And like, I, that dude was lying. He's not allergic to me. No. I mean, I played that scenario out a that couple times. That is wonderful. And How I've, old were you? I was in my 20s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you would have responded differently now? I would have loved it. <laughs> I would have just, I would have been like, probably would have called him on it just for fun. It would have been great. Be like, really? Yeah. Or I might have been such like, gone over and looked at it and been like, well, it says it's just Apple. It is interesting, though, because there is such, an idea, uh, such a um, concept as the Midwest goodbye, yeah. which is when you're in a uh, gathering, a party, mm -hmm. 
it is impossible to announce that you are leaving and then get out the door within a few minutes. It takes a long, long time. That's true. There's a proper a protracted goodbye situation. series yeah. of saying goodbye to people, having another little bit of a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's so awful. And so he was just trying to avoid the whole thing, I bet. Which I can appreciate on yeah. some level. But and it was but the it most is a very, one. you know, like you said, swing for the fences kind really of Really stuck in my head. Yeah, I would have no one. other reason to remember this guy. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to pick him out <laughs> on the street prior to his cinnamon apple candle situation. Yeah, yeah. well, mm-hmm. I hope he's out there and that he survived all the influx of cinnamon candles me in the world. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Have you specifically ever left or entered a social gathering in a non-traditional way oh not entered exit for sure <laughs> i uh <laughs> i will say that for some time i was sort of a connoisseur of an irish goodbye in mm. which you just peace out and never say a word to anybody and sneak out like the shadow that you are into the night <laughs> <laughs> there were so many times when i was in my 20s and i was drinking very hard and it'd be like three in the morning i'd suddenly realize like oh I gotta go I gotta leave and just disappear into the night walk home not a good idea no but there would be a <laughs> as I would be walking home there'd be a series of texts like what happened where did you go and I would just I was gone you were just gone, gone out into did the you world. respond to the text no no you was no. just out I had died in their mind okay and that was okay it. but there was one situation in which it was a particularly interesting goodbye and that was a friend of ours Eric's 40th birthday which uh, his sister surprised him with a party bus. There were about 15 of us on this party bus, all in our 40s now. Uh And over the course of about five hours, we all proceeded to lose our goddamn minds. (laughs) (laughs) We were hitting bar to bar. And because of our advanced age, perhaps, um, the alcohol was hitting us real hard. Oh, no. Real hard to the point at by the end of the night, there were maybe about half of the group had cried at some point for no real reason. Oh, no. There were also people that a half hour in, Stephanie, uh, the sister, was just like, uh, this is the best night of my life. And it was 730 in the <laughs> evening. So it was a very long evening. And at the very end of the evening, we ended up at the garden, which is a you know club, whatever. And uh, I was dancing. I was dancing. And then suddenly I was like, I'm going to go. And I just decided to leave. So I snuck out of the club (gasps) and I started walking. And this is downtown Des Moines. And I was pulling up um, the Uber app on my phone. But for some reason, it wasn't working. And I was in such a state that I could not figure out, like, why isn't it working? And what am I going to do? So within about five minutes, I decided I'm just going to walk home. And that's a good, I mean, maybe 40 minutes to an hour walk yeah. at this point but by this point I was starting to get texts from people like where where did you go where are you and at that point I was you know a little emotional because I couldn't get the uber app to work <laughs> so I was texting back like I just left and I can't get a ride and I'm just gonna walk and so people started calling me and then suddenly uh <laughs> like an uber showed up because someone had called me an uber and they were just like amy just tell me what corner you're on right now and stay put and the car is coming to you and i was like okay that's fine and then i made it home and it was all fine that was the last time i think i attempted a irish goodbye because it backfired yeah that was upon me yeah somehow uber decided you're not irish goodbying tonight not tonight and the rest of the group not was tonight. like what why this why? isn't a thing what are you doing well an- 
was the idea that you had to get back on the party bus to go back to where you all met at the end of the night too? Like usually the party bus has to return you yeah, to... Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, I was just, I was just went to a bus and I was thinking of someone taking attendance and being like, we lost a person. <laughs> like we're down No, Amy. I think at some point the party bus driver was like, this group is lit. And... <laughs> Not in the great way. Like, they're crying. A few people might be puking. Not quite sure. At one point, we were at the saddle, and there were three straight guys in the bathroom just crying and <gasps> talking to each other. Oh, no. It was a very weird, weird That's night. We, we've milked that story for the last five, six years because it it, it was pretty epic. Yeah. That's, Including my disappearance. I, I think I you should. Yeah. disappeared into the night. I once had a party bus experience where we started the night with the lady who had rented the party bus or put together this party. It was a Halloween party. So we were all in costume too, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, Announced like, seriously, you cannot throw up on the party bus. It's this whole (laughs) extra fee. You can't, you can't, you can't. Like a very intense lecture. She puked, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. In someone's hat. What? I think it was her husband because I think he was dressed as a... Like Woody from Toy Story, maybe? Oh. And she puked in his hat because she was trying to not let anyone see that she's puking. We're all like, we know. We all knew at the beginning of the night you were yeah, going to be the you one. Were, yeah. Yeah. You put, you made too you, much you of a ruckus. You went too hard. You went, went too, too hard. hard. You went too hard in the other direction. <laughs> I like that. That's an, that's an interesting yeah, way to yeah. exit, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, you know, thinking about going places, mm-hmm. traveling, perhaps. Yeah. What is, do you think is the best part about going places about traveling and what is the worst part? It's the same. The okay. best and worst part is the same for me. Which and it's is? new experiences. Like ah. I love going places and having new experiences. The worst part of new experiences for me in another place is that I am the worst packer and it causes a level of anxiety because I'm always trying to like, I'm always acting like I'm going to a desert where there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And like, well, if I if I get a big gash in my leg, I need the big band-aids and the little band-aids. Yeah, because there's no pharmacies yeah, across the land miles, for yeah. states yep. like mm-hmm. or i think okay i need this i mean i will pack products i don't normally use in my everyday Me life too. just yeah. because i'm sure or three outfits per day because what if the weather varies yep. and i can't get i'm going to take these shoes but then if these shoes give me a blister i might want to switch to these shoes i <laughs> add scenarios that make no sense it's like a choose your own adventure book of packing like i'm like if you want to pack the calamine lotion you also have to take the cotton swabs <laughs> turn to page 27 <laughs> if you pack the calamine lotion that means you're outside so you better pack yourself. <laughs> like it's just never ending I think that's also like a little bit of societal pressure on women to always be prepared yes. and to take care of everyone around them. Yeah. So you have to pack all the stuff. And then everyone gives a shit for having too big a bag. Too, too much di- stuff. Oh, fuck you. Like, yeah. I'm bringing the band-aids because you're not going to want to go out and get the band-aids. No. And every time, though, at the end of the trip, I'm always like, I didn't need half the things no, I packed. Why did I sure. do that to yeah. myself? Yeah. But what do I do? I could turn around and pack the very next day and I won't have learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. I won't. I just I'm not capable of it for some reason. There was a while where I was not good at packing to the to the point of like I would forget underwear oh. and like essential items. Mm-hmm. And now I've gone full on the other way where it's everything in my entire drawer, uh-huh. all of my dress, all of my clothing. Just put it all in there because one might need it because you might need it and empty my entire bathroom into the bag into the bag. Yeah. The last time that Mike and I went on a trip, I packed, <laughs> I packed a collapsible cup that you can like pull up and oh. it has a straw so uh-huh. you get in the- <laughs> when I took it out when we were there he's like what what are you doing and I was like well in case I want water there's no cups anywhere to be had Aaron yeah and he's like you're not so no water bottles not just gonna buy water like you know 
Drink it like a normal person. You're going to take your collapsible cup. Listen, you were starting a trend. Okay. And then take it up to your room. Yes. Which it also kind of turned out to be a bad thing because we heard on the way there not to ever just drink out of the fountain at this place. Like you should just be buying bottled water. So then it turned out to be a really useless item. Oh, no. Also, not a great design of a collapsible cup because when you squeeze it too hard, it it kind of collapses (laughs) on itself. It does what it says it will yeah, do. It yeah. collapses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What well, was a good idea? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So thinking about travel and thinking yeah. about if you had to live somewhere else, mm-hmm. is there a place that you would never move to under any circumstances? Listen, I'm going to shit on a couple states. Okay? Good. Good. And they are Florida and Texas. There is absolutely... <laughs> And this is with full awareness that we live in Iowa, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure many, many people, especially with our governor right now, Mm. would never in their entire life want to move to Iowa. No. Fully understand that. 100%. I feel that way about Florida and Texas. Yep. Mostly because of the weather. It is swamp ass all the time. All the time. But also because real shitty politics these days. Terrible. Just terrible, 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 terrible politics. Again, our government sucks in Iowa, but those two states never no, I agree with you. Florida, the humidity alone is a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. But then also, if we're going just on a superficial level, why are your bugs so big? <laughs> I can't do it. Why are your bugs so big? I can't do it. And in Texas, why does nothing live down there? Like, it's all just mm-hmm. arid land well, and skyscrapers. Yeah, we got a couple theories. Well, yeah. And I think they're tracking. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they deserve the hell that has brought, that is that, that, that they, is they are the living in. That they love. Yeah. yeah. God bless Texas with his own hands. Oh, God. Well, God doesn't like Texas then in that case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's a real like. He blessed Texas with his own hands. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's real gross. Yeah, so those two states never, never, to never, never, never. How else does he bless things? With. <laughs> I know. Don't finish that thought out loud. Huh. Just think that through. Huh. What else does he bless with his hand? I mean, that's very specific. Is it is very specific. Like a yeah. blessing to me isn't something that you have to. Use your two hands. Right. What happened if he just used one hand? Is that why Texas like is the way it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he just used a hand or maybe he used like an elbow or something. Yeah. And that's why Florida and Texas suck. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Also, a lot of old people in Florida. And listen, I know we're not youths. I know that. No, it's different. But though. it's very different. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's a particular kind of old person. You know what Florida feels like to me? It's like one big cult because when you go there, everyone's like, isn't it beautiful? Oh. And you're like, it's a strip mall. Yeah. What? And with a palm tree. What do you yeah. mean? Is it beautiful? Like everyone that's from there just wants to make sure that you know that it's the best place you have ever been and you better not say any and different. it's not. I'm like, but it's not. It's not. It's, listen, I know that the last week in Iowa we had a tornado and a snowstorm and that doesn't seem <laughs> back great to back. back to back within 24 48 hours yes. of each other i understand that that's not great yeah i do i get that on a very specific level but it we is don't not have hurricanes yeah we don't have hurricanes we don't have scientology centers oh we sure don't and we don't have strip malls with the best restaurant in the city nope and a palm tree and a t-shirt shop, because there's always one of those. Five for 30. Take them home. Oh, no. You went to Florida, and all I got was this t-shirt. So funny. <laughs> As I said, I know I'm coming down hard on you, Florida and Texas. And I know we're not ones to talk right now, but I still stand by it. Listen, Florida. <laughs> Go out there. 
You take a look at that bug. Yeah, you And do. then you get back to me. Yeah, you get back. You get back to me. Yeah. Okay. Why must there be Why? alligators and crocodiles? Why do you have to screen in your pools? Yeah. Because of the bugs. Yeah. So... Okay, so we have terrible mosquitoes here. Can you imagine, like, on the regular, how many times people have to pick, like, mosquitoes and shit out of their hair and their teeth just walking around? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining, like, a a constant mosquito cloud that you're just walking I mean, I don't like Florida, but I don't think that they just get mosquitoes stuck in their teeth or their hair. <laughs> I more meant that they grow really big cockroaches. <laughs> but also, yeah, that mosquito hair teeth thing doesn't sound great. <laughs> I may be confusing people with cars. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, man, that was a great visual, though. And you went into it hard. I know, listeners, you couldn't see, but she was fake picking out mosquitoes out of her hair. She's like, they're in my teeth. And then it made me think, did you have a very specific experience? No, no, not that I recall, but that's just where my head went. So so never. Don't try to convince me otherwise, Florida, with your (laughs) weird. Do you want to know? It just made me think of one of the, the last time that Mike and I were in Florida uh, we were like, we looked up in the city that we were in, like, what's the best bookshop that they have? Oh. I think it's fun sometimes yes. to go to independent bookstores. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't. Oh, no, better. this is going to turn bad. I already know. <laughs> no, it's it's like, going to be real the bad. Very best highly rated bookstore in this area. It was at the end of a strip mall. Oh, no. And we walked in and the lady said, hello, what house do you belong to? What? And I was like, what house? That's what I said. And she, I, other people, you might be getting this already. She wanted to know what Hogwarts house I belonged to. What? And I was like, is this a specific Harry Potter store? And I will tell you that it was mainly Harry Potter stuff in the store. Oh, okay. And I was like, I, I, we made a mistake. That, that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing against Harry Potter except the creator is a big old bigot. But beyond that, mm-hmm. like, why, why mm-hmm. is the bookstore? Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mike said Windsor when she said what house she belonged to. <laughs> anyone there got it i don't even know if he got it he just kept walking (laughs) oh boy nice one mike that brought back a lot of memories out of nowhere Woo! oh i'm so glad we're agreed that florida and texas are no-goes that's i was gonna if i had answered that question it would have been the two on my list yeah i know they're obvious but that for a reason yeah mosquitoes in the teeth erin not sound enjoyable no have you ever had that experience have no you mosquito no i don't know okay. if that was like a really deep-seated fear that just yeah, came out right now i be. don't know okay because it felt it was in the moment it was Did like you this used is to the ride worst a bike thing. a lot i could see that happening in a bike situation you know no. me in coordination. Yeah, I was yeah no. I did. I did ride bikes often, and every time I fell. And oh. it, yeah, it was not. It was, and I'm okay. as an adult, too. So oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. In Chicago. Oh. On city streets. Oh, no. Not great. Not great. Oh. But I persisted, Aaron. You know what? For no a while. Can... <laughs> you should... Now I just had an image of you falling on a bike, standing up and yelling, Is that a cinnamon apple candle? Just taking off. 
just running. <laughs> just get away from the scene. <sighs> we should try that though sometime. Yeah. When we need to leave a place and <laughs> or we're going someplace we don't want to go. And yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Oh, after that, I mean, I we got books to talk about. No, we got but... books. But man, <laughs> no mosquitoes to be seen mm-hmm. in my first pick. Hopefully not. Or swamp ass that I know of. Well, that's good too. Or cinnamon yeah. apple candles either. None. No. Nope. Or Harry Potter, really. No. No. Because it's set <laughs> in a apocalyptic world. Oh, so oh you... <laughs> okay. We got so there. everything's gone. Right. Yeah. Everything's Everything gone. Everything is yeah. out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for my fiction pick, I'm choosing a book called The Fifth Season, mm. which came out in 2015. Okay. And it's the first book in a trilogy, and the trilogy mm. is called The Broken Earth Trilogy. Mm. And it's by the author N.K. Jemison. And I know why I'm late to the party because this made a big splash when oh. it came out. But uh, now that I have read it, I'm sort of, uh, I'm the, uh, why can't I think of the word? Ambassador? Of, thank you. Yes. I was going evangelist, but then oh. I, in my head I was like, wait, is that the right word? So I'm going to go ambassador. Okay. That seems better. Okay. Yeah. Agnostic. Um I, I loved it so much. It's so original. It's so rich. It's so well-written. Yeah. And so it's set in a world that is being torn apart regularly by earthquakes. Something has happened to the world to make them very frequent and sometimes so bad that they will cause what's called a season, which is what they call it when the volcanoes erupt and they cover the sky and block out the sun for maybe a period of a few years to longer than that. And this is just something that happens. Mm. And towns are built around the possibilities of these seasons Mm. and preparing for them. They have big stockpiles of food and everything and all these rules around what happens in normal times and what happens in seasons. And in this world are people who have an ability to control the earth. They can still earthquakes or they can cause them. And because these folks are extremely valuable, they are hated and they are feared around the world because what happens if one of them goes rogue? That's what oh. everyone thinks like, oh, they're so terrible. They're going to okay. you know, kill us all kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that's exactly what happens at the start, actually, is someone with this power causes a massive earth-breaking rift and starts a season, which may be the final season. Oh, boy. Um, And that's when we meet our main characters. Essen is a woman in a small town who's hiding. She has this ability to move the earth, but she's hiding it because people hate Mm -hmm. uh, everyone so much. And she comes home to find that her husband has discovered that their kids have this power, too, and he has murdered their son and kidnapped their daughter. At the same time, we meet, yeah, we meet Cyanite, who is one of uh, those people that have this special ability, and she is being forced by the government to do their bidding. And then there's Demaya, who is a young girl who's just discovered her powers. And that's just the start. There is so much here. It's, like I said, a very richly imagined world, while the story is this really cool allegory for how we fear what we don't understand. And I love, too, that the main characters and most of all the rest of the characters are black men and women, too. You don't see that very often in in fantasy books. I chose it for this theme because I think uh, Essen, the woman that comes home and finds out her son is dead and her daughter is kidnapped, uh, her decision to follow her husband and try to find her daughter is the one that kicks off the book and this entire series. Mm. But she faces so many more decisions as she's starting to roam this world that is starting to fall apart. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, including like which people she's going to make allies, which people she's going to make enemies with. And everyone else in the book, too, they're facing massive decisions based on their abilities and how the world will try to control them. 
So it is, like I said, that's just the very start of the book. And it goes so many really cool directions. And the there's sort of a twist at the end of the first book that really, really clever. Um, yeah, it's just it's wonderful. Wow. I love books like that, that there's like this whole kind of world building element. I'm so fascinated by how someone's mind works to create that and keep that going and add elements to it. And well, and as you and I, you know, we're obviously avid readers and we both write too. And just thinking it from a, from a writing perspective, it's like, how did they do this? And how did they like, do they have just a whole room organized with all of yeah. the world rules and everything? Like, it's very fascinating to think about. It is. Yeah. yeah from a creation standpoint. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Hmm. Well, I don't care if you're late to the party. It's good to know about. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, uh, I went very front list this week. Well. I know. I know. I'm cutting edge. Uh, <laughs> if any, if there was anything that's ever said about Cutting me, it's edge. that I am hip AF. Yes. Yeah. Hip and happening. Yeah. And if by hip, we mean my hips going out. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this book is called The Verifiers by Jane Peck. Hmm. It was just published February 22nd, 2022. Uh, And Claudia Lynn is the main character. She's just landed a new job with a top secret firm called Veracity. And she hasn't told anyone in her family because her brother is very high achieving and got her a job at this great financial company that she hated. And she takes this job. She doesn't entirely know what the firm does until they decide to hire her. And basically what they do is clients come to them and say, I've met this person on an online dating thing. I need you to verify that they are who they say they are. Oh, wow. And they pay a lot for it. But no one can know that that's what they do. They don't advertise. The only way they get clients is through referrals. And they won't intervene in anything. They basically just give you information. Okay. So she's only these, it's um, two other people work there. She's the third hire. And she gets hired because the person that started the firm creates a game online to test people. And then he sees who wins the game and thinks, oh, that might be a good kind of detective. Oh my gosh. And she's intrigued because she grew up reading murder mysteries. Yeah. And that was a common ground with her um, immigrant mother who expects her to be very high achieving. So she is not fulfilling that. So she hasn't told anyone about this job. But she ha- they have this common bond of these books. So just when she feels like she's starting to get a handle on it, they gave her her own case to investigate. A client that they all had kind of mixed feelings about goes missing and then winds up dead. Oh. And so this kicks off a whole new mystery and thing to investigate. And it goes so many places that I don't want to ruin anything for you. But I this book the premise is so clever to yeah, me. The I idea that. that as we move forward in this technological age, there's going to be new things that we haven't thought of that we almost need to traverse it. And because of that, the book also has some very interesting points to make about relationships and dating in the modern age and algorithms and getting matched with people. But I also love it because there's also this element of sort of taking a crime novel and breaking it down. Like the things that keep happening in the book, she's like, oh, wait, that happened in one of my murder mysteries, but it was like this. But it's done in such a clever, interesting, flip it on its head kind of way. Um, I would love to be inside this author's mind because it's fascinating. Same kind of idea how she put this story together at the same time of kind of breaking down a genre Mm -hmm. almost. But 
And it's funny. The main character's funny, so it's a really fun, great read, great story. But I picked for this theme because basically the whole premise is, should I stay or should I go? Should I stay with this person? Uh Is this person who they said? She's also struggling with this job idea. She's struggling with dating. There's so many things that are big decisions and big life decisions. And it makes sense to me that a company like this would exist because, like we said at the beginning, we all just want answers. Yeah. We want some definitive answer about what to do. Yes. So I such a great, interesting idea. And yeah. I love the way it was executed. It was really fun. I have two points to make. Mm-hmm. Or one is a question. Yes. How much do they charge for these services? Do they ever say? Because it's a lot by oh, okay. the, by all indications given. Okay, yes. mm-hmm. hmm. bummer. Well, maybe we can do a cheaper version I of think it. So. That's yeah. where I, my second mm-hmm. point was going. Is that yeah, we can fold this into our relationship services because we know red flags are out there. And I love to pi some stuff. <laughs> I do. I love it. And what I love about this is that it's a PI, but they're also like, they just present the information. They don't intervene. They don't say anything. They just say, this is the report. This is what happened. I also love it because their whole business model is underground. So you don't have to be out front making commercials or doing anything because people only come to you because, you know, they get referred or, you know, they, they realize that they have a need. So there's kind of a cool element to it that way too, that Mm. I think appeals to both of us. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. Mm -hmm. And it would be great because it would go hand in hand with our breakup service. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once we find the information, then we offer like, listen, we're not telling you what to do. But if you want to go this route, we got you covered. We got you covered. If you want to go the other route, we also have a strip mall that has animals and clothes. (laughs) So if you'd like to buy a pet together, you can go that direction. We've got you covered either way. Wherever you go. Yeah. Your money's coming back to us. So is it primarily women that use the service? So far, yes. Yeah. 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 That's mm-hmm. what. Yeah. I kind of feel like there could be a series here, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I could see it being cinematic as well. The whole time I was reading yeah. this, I was like, this would make a great movie. I bet it's going to be optioned into a mm-hmm. movie, hands down. Yeah. I kept thinking that about my movie, or my movie, my uh, book too, but it would be a very heavy lift in terms of lots of CGI and yeah. stuff like that. But it could be so freaking cool. Yeah. Especially all the things that we've seen in the last few years where it doesn't necessarily have to be a big theatrical movie release yeah. where you can do miniseries. So you have more time yeah. to take on a bigger, you know, a trilogy or something like that because you can do more episodes or seasons or yeah. people are more willing to watch uh, TV that way. Well, good pick, Aaron. It's a good one. Excellent. Well, for my other genre pick, mm. I've got another sort of fantastical graphic novel for you. And it is called Cosmo Nights. Mm. Came out in 2019. It's from Hannah Templer. And it's the first in a series. And I saw the next one is coming out either this year or next year. Mm. And here's what it says on the back cover, which I really love. For this ragtag band of space gays, liberation means beating the patriarchy at its own game. Wow. You got space gays and you got patriarchy. You got the word ragtag. Ragtag. <laughs> a phrase, whatever you want to say, but ragtag is ragtag. vastly underused. It really is underused. Ragtag. Yeah. Yeah. So Pan is our main character and she works in her dad's body shop on a distant planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this world, this universe, every planet has royalty. 
this there's a system of kings and queens and when they have daughters the princesses are sort of raffled off for this series of massive space tournaments like these gladiators come to the space oh, tournaments no. for fame and everything but they win the princess ah, at the end. yeah ah. exactly it's a real weird thing. So on Pan's world, her best friend is Tara, and she's a princess. Mm-hmm. And one day, she escapes before she can be, you know, auctioned off or whatever in this uh, thing. And years later, uh, Pan is still living in her planet, uh, working at her dad's body shop. And a pair of gladiators from the most recent tournament show up at the body shop, and they're injured, and they need some help. Um, and Pan learns that these two fighters, who are partnered women, by the way, enter the tournament so they can win the princesses, but then free the princesses. Oh! So Pan joins them on their latest quest and becomes embroiled in like weird galaxy politics oh. and targeted by a very shifty Bowie-esque type character who eventually tells them all about a much more organized resistance that is helping the princesses okay. and they have to decide if they want to join. So I chose it for this theme for a couple of reasons. Um, for so long, the main character, Pan, has not had a lot of choices. After she helped her friend escape, her world fell into economic ruin because the king and queen, they, they were sort of opted out of the system and blacklisted. Mm. So they have no money to have any choices. And then when she finds the gladiator, she has to choose if she'll leave everything she knows and more than that, try to tear it all down. Mm. So I love that this sort of examines the idea of choice and how much choice we really have in a, in a bigger system. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the only choices we have are the wrong ones or the ones that will just burn it all down. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great concept. It's very cool art. It's a terrific start to a series. Great cliffhanger. I'm all for it. Cosmo Knights. Sounds good. Knights with a K. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. See? Cosmo Knights. Yeah. It makes sense now that you said it. It makes sense with the gladiators and the knights. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah, Now. Yeah. I was thinking it would. Ragtag band space gays aired. (laughs) That sentence alone (laughs) or beginning of sentence is phenomenal. Let's be honest. Let's use ragtag in, yeah, in everything. As much as we can. As much as we can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I are a ragtag band of book lovers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Ragtag podcast hosts. <laughs> you got a ragtag bunch of podcasts. Holy shit, I do. Yeah. That are decimating my couch downstairs. Yeah, that is happening. Yeah. I came down. I was telling Aaron this morning, I came down to find that one of my couches they have co-opted as their own and turned into a series of hidey holes by (laughs) digging into underneath. They've turned it into their own fort. And every once in a while, I come down and there's a little bit of couch stuffing just laying on the floor. And I'm like, well... And this time, this morning, I came down and it was a massive, like, cushion size type couch stuffing. So it's not a usable couch anymore, I don't think, except for them. Yeah. But for the ragtag band of podcasts. And it should be for them. Yeah. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It should be for them. And that's saying Thelma has nothing to do with this because right. she's the golden child. She's okay. too fancy for that. She's too fancy. She's a lady. She's a lady. Yeah. Thel- Louise and Ziggy. On it. Ragtag. Mm-hmm. Very, very mm-hmm. ragtag. Well, my nonfiction book is, I mean... I don't know. I, I, oh, you should be is, able to see this coming. And I can see it on your face because you start getting giddy when you I talk do. about this person. I do. I yeah. don't know. So it's called Scoundrel. How a convicted murderer persuaded the women who loved him, the conservative establishment, and the courts to set him free. Oh, my God. By none other <laughs> than Sarah Weinman. 
I like how you got real close to the microphone. I, I want to be very no, clear. No, no, about my, She's you, not ragtag. She no, is top notch. Legit. Yeah. I just want people to really hear the love in my voice. It is. The love on your face is something to behold. Oh, I so wish great. our listeners could see it right now. Yeah. So this came out on February 22nd, 2022. Yes. And Which I. Which is not long ago. No, it's not. But Today I, is March 12th. Right. Yeah. I ordered the book, however. Yes. Thinking, I pre-ordered it. Because uh-huh. I, I mean, come on. It's a Sarah Wyman book. I yeah. pre-ordered I would pre-order like books she hasn't even written yet. For sure. I mean, if that's what she needed me to do, I Maybe would Maybe she it. needs to have an option where just sign on for just all future books. Yeah. yeah. So I pre-ordered it from an independent place because, try, you know, mm-hmm. try to get away from Amazon. My only complaint would be that it didn't, it doesn't arrive on the, that date. I had to wait. Three excruciating days. And for a Sarah Wyman Uber fan such as yourself, those are excruciating it days. It was rough. It was rough. So I finally got it and I devoured it in like two days uh-huh. because I was obsessed. I was, I mean, Amy was involved in the countdown of yes. me finding when the postman was coming. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah. The, the love is intense. It is. And your need to have that in your hot little hands. It was intense. It, it was, was thwarted. And it was intense. It was. Yeah. I normally work with my curtains closed in my office because I don't want the sun directly on my computer. And that day I was like, I need to see that mail truck go by. (laughs) I need to see it and I need to run. And that's basically what happened. But you can tell from the title. The title's badass. And I have never Scoundrel. I know. What a great, great word. Wonderful word. And I have never heard of this person, and I have no idea why, because it's a kind of a phenomenal story. So it tells the story of Edgar Smith, who was convicted and sentenced to the death penalty for um, the murder of a young girl in the 1960s. So he gets convicted. He ends up on death row. Well, obviously, 1960s, we're at a pinnacle point of reviewing the death penalty, civil rights, all of these things are happening. So he ends up on death row for quite a lot of time because we're going through the appeals process all these things. Now, it turns out Edgar Smith is very well-spoken and he can write very well. And he ends up getting interested in a publication called The National Review, which if you're not familiar with, William F. Buckley founded this conservative paper. He was getting copies smuggled in from guards. And then I think William F. Buckley at one point tried to get him a subscription in there. But anyway, he ends up corresponding with William F. Buckley himself. And Buckley becomes convinced that he's innocent just based on what Edgar says is the evidence based on how well he speaks, Uh how, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things to tear apart in the Uh story. So William also connects him with an editor, Sophie Wilkins, who ends up helping him kind of edit this book that he publishes. Oh, no. That is telling, explaining why he shouldn't be put to death because he didn't do it. It (sighs) is... When I tell you that this story is bananas, I truly think if you wrote this story as fiction, an editor's comment would be, this is absurd. Like, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> Try again. Do more research. Whatever. But it and it is you're not going to believe that any of this happened. But he ends up basically being released. And then some horrible things happen after he's released. Oh, no. So and everyone's kind of proven wrong. Imagine that. Yeah, weird, yeah. right? But the when I tell you that this book, the amount of attention to detail and research, I mean, she read through William F. Buckley's personal letters. She had read through Sophie Wilkins' papers. She The amount of research and notes and extensive time that was spent in this book is shows because it reads like a 
beautiful crime novel, but it's nonfiction. And I don't know if if you're not used to that genre, if you can fully understand how hard that is to find that ability to mm-hmm. do that, to keep things, you know, you're not, uh, you don't want to add details or change anything. You don't want to fictionalize it, but you also are trying to make it entertaining. And so well done in this. You kind of get a perspective from lots of different people, um, from Sophie, the editor, from letters that they were exchanging. It's just such a fascinating story and such an interesting way to look at someone who is a truly sick individual and look at the manipulation and the ability and how much grace and understanding we would extend primarily to a white guy, yeah. but also to someone who seems to speak well and yeah. is well-read. Which shows our biases on what like a criminal really is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And there, there's just so many things in this book that are interesting. Um, the time she took with all the extra character, other, I shouldn't say extra characters, additional characters that had a connection to the story and she explains to them, explains to the reader where they ended up and what happened to them, I think is a... I like this turn in true crime where we're really looking at it as a whole and yeah. looking at the ripple effects of all of it. And maybe not just the victim, maybe not just the perpetrator, but even other people, the prosecutor who had to try the case. They, his son has a role in the book in talking about what kind of toll that took on his father and him watching his father go through that. There's so many interesting angles and avenues and points in this book. I'm telling you that I read it so quickly, not just because I'm a Sarah Weinman super fan, because it's that good. Which means you have to read it again because you read it so fast, Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's really well done. I feel like it's true crime that serves a purpose. But I picked it for this theme because Edgar's whole thing is his argument against the death penalty. Should you stay or should you go? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. There, there's this idea of people that are against the death penalty and they were using him as an example. Like, there's doubts about his guilt. So should we be putting him to death? But then down the road, if you had, what would have saved these other people? There's a lot of interesting points. And it's to go back in time in a story that was sort of at the forefront of where that was come when that was starting to come out. Yeah. Fascinating. It's so interesting, too, to think, you know, coming back to that idea that we don't know what the hell we're doing most of the time. And no one really does. And so we can very easily be swayed Mm -hmm. by either the person that's talking the loudest or the person that's talking very eloquently Mm -hmm. or the person that somehow exudes some sort of authority. Like, yeah, they know what they're doing. Believe them. It reminds me a lot of it's one of the reasons we started this podcast, but it reminds me a lot of of college in the sense that you would have classes with people who could speak really eloquently and they would talk about something you read or some discussion point. And I think at first my instinct would be like, oh, I'm not smart enough to Mm -hmm. keep up with that person. And then after a while, you'd be like, wait a minute, everything you're saying is BS. Mm -hmm. It's all fluff. You didn't Mm -hmm. even say anything in that Mm -hmm. sentence. That sentence actually means nothing (laughs) when you break it down. And then you get in the work world and you discover that's just what people do. Right. That's the whole thing is just covering up what we don't know or what we don't really want to say. Yeah, what we don't want to admit Mm -hmm. that we don't know. And that was one of the reasons we started this because we didn't want, I'm tired of literature or books being on this elevated level where not everyone can access, access them. And I really feel like that happens when people try and take this highbrow, like, well, this is what this means, and this is that, and you didn't understand that? Absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. That there's there's a level of, like, subjectivity that some people can pounce Mm -hmm. on and be like, well, you know, this is what you really should be reading. This is what you should really be getting from this, whatever. Whereas, no, come on now. No. 
no no stop that Knock white it off. dudes yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. <laughs> so it was... Uh, well, Erin, really I'm so happy for you that oh. you had your Sarah Weinman book mm-hmm. that she delivered you, another winner, that she your did. love for Sarah Weinman continues to grow. I'm, I have dedicated a shelf in my bookshelf. Good, 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 good. How many books has she written now? Quite a few. I mean, she's edited quite a yeah, few, too. Yeah. So she's got Unspeakable Acts, right. um, L- The Real Lolita, okay. Scoundrel, uh-huh. and then she edited a couple of crime anthologies, uh-huh. um, the like women writers of uh-huh. um, 40s and 50s, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, she and she's got the red, I mean, New York Times crime yeah, columnist. Yeah, she's writing she, very all prolifically. The time, yeah. yeah, and reads, obviously, at mm-hmm. a crazy clip. So... And she was a delight to talk to when we talked to her. It was so great. Mm-hmm. That was and the, the best, best part was present. watching your face, <laughs> <laughs> just constant love, just oh, staring at her. I and know. listen, we both had times where we do that, where we just fangirl over the it people was, we're talking to. Yeah. Sarah Weinman is your; she's top of your list. I still can't even really believe. I was thinking of that when I was reading the book. I was like, I really can't believe we interviewed her. Yeah, like you talked to her. You saw her yes, face. Yeah, you talked to her face to face. I talked to her face to face. Yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. And Sarah managed to give us another wonderful word to go with. Scoundrel. So we got scoundrel and ragtag from this episode so far. It's so good. It's it's so underused. Scoundrel. I mean, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of a better word to describe this guy either. I mean, besides murder. It kind of makes me wonder if um, uh, she's a Star Wars fan because there's a very specific bit of dialogue around the word scoundrel in Empire Strikes Back. I'm just saying and I know you would have no idea what I'm talking about none and that hurts me but that's where we are I do know that they're called lightsabers now (laughs) I do know that (laughs) instead of laser swords Uh yeah Uh Uh uh-huh uh-huh because I corrected you Uh uh-huh I do this is a side note has Uh nothing to do with the book but since you brought up Star Wars uh, I did have a frustrating experience this week oh involving a puzzle and Star okay. Wars. Yep. Okay. So I ordered a specific puzzle online. I'm okay. not going to say the retailer. Uh, that I was really looking forward to getting. Mm-hmm. And it said, it's delivered. And I opened the box and it was a Star Wars puzzle. And I was like, that's not what I ordered. That's not what you ordered. So I got online and I clicked the little thing and they were like, oh, we're so sorry. We'll send you a new one. And I was like, cool, thanks. And they said, you can just keep that one. You don't even have to bother to send it back. I was like, all right. So two days later, I'm like, oh my gosh, the puzzle came. And I open it up. It's the Star Wars puzzle what? again. It's the same Star Wars puzzle. So I took a picture of both of them. I sent it again. They're like, we're sorry. We're just going to refund you. So I don't know if so this you never skew... got your damn puzzle no. that you wanted. I think it's incorrect. And I actually meant to bring one for you because. I would have taken a Star Wars puzzle. Yeah. yeah. I don't have. I, we won't do two of the same puzzle. <laughs> so. Does anyone in your family like Star Wars? Oh, yeah. Okay, Mike, good. Evan. Okay. Yeah. They're, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is an audience. There. Yeah, for okay. sure. That's yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. All right. yeah. Yeah. But I was like, this seems like a mean joke. It really does. It feels like someone is directly saying like, listen, you should like Star Wars. What are you doing? It's almost like I did it. Well, and the the lightsabers are prominent in the puzzle. Like they're. Well, they're know, a prominent. It's like all the part characters of the movies. and then two light. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like two of the. At least you didn't call them laser swords that time. No. No, I called him the right thing. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. Good for you. I guess that was karma from like how many years ago when I called (laughs) lightsabers that I got a puzzle two days in a row. That's pretty great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So for pop culture, nothing to do with Star Wars, Mm. nothing to do with true crime. I've got a musical film 
What? A musical film. A musical film. Listen, I'm not, I don't usually do this. I'm not a real fan of musicals often. Except there are a few musicals that I love so much. And then everything else is just kind of meh. Yeah. You know? Uh Uh-huh. So this is a new one that I love so much. It's called Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, yes. And this is on Netflix. It came Mm -hmm. out in late 2021. This is a musical. It is a film adaptation of a stage musical. It is sort of a biopic, and it's so much more. There's Mm -hmm. so much packed into this. So it's about uh, the man named Jonathan Larson, who he was the man who created Rent, Mm -hmm. you know, the the very, very famous uh, musical that came out in 1996. And the night before its premiere, he died suddenly at age 35. So he never got to see the show put on. He never got to see how phenomenal it became in, in the culture. Before he created Rent, though, Jonathan produced this show called Tick, Tick, Boom, which is itself about Jonathan creating a previous show that never got produced. Jonathan Larson is played by Andrew Garfield. And if I tell you that he is fucking brilliant in this, it is because he is brilliant. He sings, he dances, he acts, he plays piano. It's phenomenal. So there's a good reason he was nominated for an Oscar, and I hope he wins it. Yeah. So the movie is set in 1990 mm-hmm. and Jonathan Larson is turning 30 and he's freaked out because he's been working on a show for eight years and it's staging its first read through at the end of this week and he's pinning everything on it. He's pinning what he's going to do with his life. He's pinning what he's going to do about the woman he loves who's moving away, what he's going to do as his friends face HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. And he feels the pressure of becoming known young. And I think there's always that pressure, like you got to make it by a certain age or else you're, you're done. You're a mm-hmm. hack kind of thing. He's also feeling the pressure of finding a way to make money doing his passion Mm -hmm. and this sense that the clock is ticking, not just on creativity, but on his life. He had this real sense that like time is running out, which Mm -hmm. is so weird to think about because Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. running out. So the movie is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's his first directorial movie. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It's also starring um, some Broadway alumni. And there's one particular scene that has... Some even for a non-huge Broadway person myself, I recognize so many people in this really? scene of okay. different little cameos yeah. and everything. It's really remarkable, and I chose it for this theme because, like I said, um, Jonathan is facing some major decisions about every aspect of his life, and he's putting this pressure on himself, this time pressure, but also this sort of pressure of like, well, if I don't make it with this, I can't make it at mm-hmm. all. And I think that's such a, a creative person's, it, it, it's a very universal experience for mm-hmm. creative people. And what I really love is this is ultimately about a failure because the show that he's working on for eight years, it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's such a devastating moment when you realize, oh shit, like it's not going to get produced. It's his, this particular mm-hmm. dream is not going to come true. But that's not the end of the story because then he has to find a way to tell more stories and create something that really does change the culture, which he ends up doing with rent it's so touching and if you watch it and you enjoy it i highly recommend looking up some interviews with andrew garfield because you can tell that his love and passion for this story and for jonathan larson as a person are just infectious and the way he talks about the movie and about jonathan and about this the act of creativity it's so so moving and in fact i just watched uh there's a conversation between him and eddie redmayne who i guess they've been friends for long long ago and it was a conversation for maybe some drama students or something but he was talking andrew garfield was talking about failure when you're in the 
artistic world mm-hmm. and how you have that choice of like giving up or you have the choice of being like, okay, I feel like I'm going to die. And I feel like, you know, I've embarrassed myself, but I can try it again. You know, right. what what happens if I try it again? Yeah. And it, yeah, it's so, so phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. I've heard amazing things. Evan loves this, by the way. Does this he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could. I can definitely see Evan yeah. loving this. Yeah, I know. I've been meaning to get to it and I haven't, but mm-hmm. I'm going to now just because of your recommendation. And I liked Andrew Garfield before. I didn't understand how freaking talented is yeah. he is until now. That's funny because I heard a kind of piece about him that almost worded it the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Like Andrew Garfield's always been a force and we yeah. all just got on board with how big of a force he is yes. after this. Like, And I understand you told me that you watched The Eyes of Tammy mm-hmm. Faye and he was in that and mm-hmm. he was really good. At, he so was he's great. had a year mm-hmm. of like really good stuff. Yeah, he yeah. has. Yes, very much. Well, my pop culture could not be farther away. It's not a musical film? No. Um, Mine is called Pam and Tommy. Oh! And it's a Hulu I am so excited that it's done and I'm going to watch it. I'm actually starting it tonight. Yes, you should. Everyone, you should. Now, listen. You probably think that you know the story. Mm -hmm. The the sex tape story. Mm -hmm. I thought I did. Which was like one of the original sex tape stories. It was. Because it was right at the cutting edge. It was 95, 96. The Uh internet was starting to become a thing. So, Sebastian Stan... And Ugh, Lily which, James. Can I just say, I love Sebastian Stan so, so, I do now. so much. So yeah. much, yes. Mm-hmm. And Lily James are play Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. And you should watch it just for that. Because their transformations into those... You forget that those are not the real people. Like, wow. that's how amazing it is but this tells the story of kind of them getting together but more so of what happened with the sex tape um i after you watch the series if you do a little bit of reading you find out that they have both said that this was kind of the moment that ended up breaking them up years down Uh. the line because it was just very difficult for both of them because as you can imagine he was a rock star or Mm. he was a rock star but in the uh you know figurative sense for that sex tape. Everybody was like, oh, oh amazing. And That's I bet she cr- was a slut. Yes. Slut shamed. And because it is stolen and put out there without their permission, they decide to sue. Particularly when Penthouse gets a hold of it and says they're going to uh, publish still images from the video. Oh. Okay. Part of this is a problem for Pamela because, number one, it was getting out there and she was just coming off Baywatch. She was trying to get mm-hmm. her career. People were kind of like, ooh, they didn't want to touch this. Second of all, she Hugh Hefner helped kind of put her on the map and she had a very loyalty to him and was worried that he would think that she gave the stuff to penthouse yeah and none of that was true and also she was just felt incredibly violated so they sued penthouse mainly because tommy pushed for it she was afraid suing them was going to put it in the news more and make it a bigger issue and make them dig in and that's what happened Uh. and partially she was frustrated because he wasn't understanding how much this was pushing back on her and not on him yeah because he just couldn't see it through her what was happening to her? Yeah, because he was Be- a rock god. He wouldn't understand. Yeah, like how, yeah. No, no. And the and what was happening to him was like everybody being like, "Yeah, Tommy, you're amazing." Yeah. Whereas for her, she's sitting in a room saying, "I don't want this out there," and people are saying, "Didn't you pose for Playboy?" They've already seen it. Right. No oh, one could understand man. the difference between posing for something and have it being consensual and a tape yes. that you never thought anyone was going to have, and what the difference between those two things were. It's a very interesting story about consent and about what's private and what's not what should be out there um 
there are moments that just gut punches. There's a whole episode dedicated to her having to do a deposition as part of the lawsuit that Tommy doesn't have to do. And I can tell you that that's, it was so well done, but so cringy that it was almost hard to watch. Like I just, my heart just kept breaking and I felt so, it felt like watching the impeachment thing with, with, um, the Monica and Bill, the American crime story, because I, my recollection of that time, I mean, 95, 96, you had the, oh, like, oh, what a floozy. They got a sex tape Absolutely. Out. And to... And then ha- she was a joke. She was a yes. total joke. Total that. joke. Yeah. And then to have that be turned around and realize, like, how poorly she was treated and how awful this all was. And to look at it through a different viewpoint now, it's just heartbreaking. Ugh. And I want to address the fact that I know if you look this up... Um, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson have both publicly said they had no part in this. Mm-hmm. Pamela specifically said she wasn't happy about it coming out. Mm. She's now planning her own Netflix documentary as kind of a way to tell her own story, apparently. Oh. Um, and I understand that. And I almost feel like it's a weird, like you're writing a story about her being violated and I could see how maybe she feels violated again. But I also think it's just a really interesting perspective changer for mm-hmm. anyone to watch and look at and look at it from a different lens. I I do I don't have any feelings except sympathy for that at oh, her and empathy after watching that. I just feel so and sad. And I wonder too, you know, after I mean it sounds like she was really betrayed and kind of fucked over by a lot of people. So I imagine she maybe saw this as another thing that was just going to dig in right. on her. Maybe she didn't know that it was going to leave people with a sense of empathy for her. Well, and you know what? Something that you are that you was so difficult and such a hard spot and such a deep, deep-rooted feeling, moving on past that and then feeling like someone's bringing it up is like yeah. the worst feeling in the yeah. world. Even if it's done out of kindness or grace or trying to tell a different side of the story that's just that's a really difficult thing I think and I so I can understand how without even seeing it or green lighting or anything that's very difficult yeah Uh, Seth Rogen has a very important role in it I have seen pictures of him and Nick Offerman and they look they look real bad it's bad real gross Nick Offerman plays a very seedy porn distributor oh boy there is just so much here and there's also really interesting kind of side story about the start of webcams and internet and how that kind of changed the the porn industry so Hmm. it is it's really well done I think Um, I will for sure watch her documentary just to see you know to understand better how she feels about it and and all of those things but it's it's tough to watch, but it was really entertaining. It's really well done. So Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, like you said, just even looking at the pictures, I remember when this was in development, like seeing pictures of them, the two actors, compared to like the two people. And I was like, whoa, that yeah. is impressive. It's crazy. And she looks, I mean, I couldn't, I, you wouldn't be able to pick her out, I don't think. If you didn't see a picture of Lily James and then see her, like, you wouldn't look at her playing Pamela Anderson yeah. and be like, oh, that's Lily James. Like, you cannot tell. <sighs> cannot tell. It is, it's very well done. And wow. it's a, just an interesting time. It's And I picked it, obviously, for this because, you know, it becomes a very pivotal question in their yeah. relationship. I mean, they met and married within a week, so... There's kind of this, oh, man, what did I do? Should I stay in this? Should Mm -hmm. I go? What's my career going to be like? What's his career? You know, he's coming down off of Motley Crue being peak. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to ride the wave behind Nirvana and all these where rock was changing. And they were on the outs. And so he's dealing with kind of his own ego issues at the same time. So interesting time period. Lots of thoughts there. 
Ugh. Fantastic. Yeah. It's Looking a good forward one. to it. I'm jealous that you're that you were smart enough to wait and watch it all. You know? Yeah, wasn't this one where you started it and then you were like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. It's not all done? Yeah. I thought it was all coming out at mm-hmm. once. And I was like, I thought I told Amy, I thought we all collectively agreed that's how we were doing TV from now on. We did, but some people didn't get the message no, apparently. No. I was like, what what why? Wait, what? I only get yeah, it's not right. Not cool. It's not right. Mm. Well, Sebastian Stan, I'll I'll stay with you. You should all the time. Woo. He is uh wow. He's a wonderful looking person. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of range. I just watched another film with him in it called Fresh, and I'll talk about it in a future episode. And it is, whew. I heard good things. Yeah, different side. Different side. Yeah, yeah. he's very talented. Obviously, mm-hmm. well. We talked about Midwest goodbyes. We talked about scoundrels and ragtag bands. We did. We talked about new uh, relationship services that we will provide. Yeah. That's something we need to definitely research and investigate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 We didn't really talk about tattoos, but we talked about Tommy Lee, and he's known for his tattoos. Covered. Yeah. Covered. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is also a thing that Sebastian Stan, that had to be a lot of makeup time. Yeah. So much time. Mm-hmm. It was a good episode, Aaron. It was a good episode. We're doing good. What again. a smorgasbord of options that we prevented, prevent, presented, not prevented, presented. We didn't prevent a smorgasbord. No. We made a smorgasbord. We rolled one in on a we buffet table. We created a ragtag band of options for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Something for everyone. Something for everyone. I mean, buffet. you might as well, yeah. Get, uh, well, I don't know if we want to call it a buffet. Buffet feel, Buffets feel gross these days. I don't know about yeah, like. Yeah, no, no. Maybe they were gross before. Um, you yeah. know, the friend Eric that I mentioned is 40s. Yeah. He's always been anti-buffet. Yeah, these days, a lot I'm, to question yeah, about these a buffet. These days I'm agreeing with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a, a clean buffet that we're yeah, offering. Yeah, no, it's a buffet yeah. of reading options. Yes. Which is a different. We don't want to be down on the word buffet. No. Because people have taken it and made it a terrible dining decision. Yeah, this one doesn't have E. coli. This no. has like good reading this options. This one does not have toddler snot. No, it doesn't. went across the salad. This just has oh, reading yes. options and viewing about, options. I didn't even think about toddler snot. That's gross. Yeah, that's the main thing I think of when oh, I think of buffet. Man. Yeah. It's just like stuff. People, people's stuff. Nope. Not anymore. No. Done. Yeah. Over. Well, I hope you enjoy reading from this smorgasbord of uh, uh, without infectious snot <laughs> and <laughs> No mosquito in your teeth either. No. I hope. Oh, mosquito in your teeth. Yeah. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Cause their despair. Cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. Witch. Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you 
this isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.